0: Hey everyone, this is Nate, you're listening to the Factory Youth Podcast, and uh, unfortunately this week we had a little bit of an issue with our recording from Thursday night, but I didn't want you guys to miss out on the teaching from Daniel 4. So I'm in the studio uh, today, I've got my LaCroix, I've got my Bible and my notebook, and uh, we're basically just going to do the teaching from Thursday night, kind of more in a podcast-type setting. Um, so, if you've been with us on Thursday night, we've been going through a series called Teenager. We've been making our way through the book of Daniel. And basically, what we've been learning about is that you have everything you need right now to be used by God and to be who God wants you to be. You don't need to have tons of experience or knowledge or um, education, even to be used by God. All you need is a surrendered heart and an opportunity to and uh, God wants to use you right where you're at. And so that's what we've been learning about. And we've been learning this through the life of Daniel. Daniel was a really unique character who was taken from his homeland uh, as a captive to Babylon as a young boy, and he made a decision to follow God right in that moment. And God used him in an incredible way in Babylon uh, to impact his surroundings, uh, the palace even, and then ultimately the entire uh, nation. And so God can use you really anywhere and at any time. And so that's what we've been learning about. Now, um, Daniel 4 is where we're at tonight. And uh, this portion, uh, we look at another one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Uh, We remember from a couple weeks ago in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and uh, he forces everyone to tell him his dream and then interpret the dream. And nobody was able to do that. Uh, It's kind of an impossible task. I have a hard enough time remembering my own dreams in the morning. I think it would be nearly impossible for you to tell me what I had uh, to dream last night. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, hey, you gotta tell me my dream. Nobody can do it. He starts killing people. And then Daniel comes along. He's able to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream and interpret the dream. Now, this time uh, in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. This time, he tells everyone what it is, but no one can interpret it, or really it says that no one would interpret it. And I think it's because they saw that the interpretation of the dream uh, wasn't so good for Nebuchadnezzar, and they thought it would probably not end well for them either. So basically his dream, I don't want to read it because it would take uh, a lot of our time, but his dream is of a large tree that had lovely trees, uh, or excuse me, lovely leaves, and abundant fruit that animal has found shelter underneath its shade. So it's a huge, massive tree. It's beautiful. It's got leaves. It's got fruit and animals in the trees and underneath it. And then someone came down from heaven and said to chop it down. So it was chopped down to the stump. So he wakes up kind of perplexed. What does this mean? What's going on? And so uh, Daniel ends up coming along and he's able to interpret it. And we're told in chapter 4, verse 20, it says that the tree, this is Daniel speaking, the tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached out to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant and which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwell and in whose branches the birds of the air um, or the heaven had their home. Then he says this, verse 22, It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. So the tree that he saw, Daniel points out to Nebuchadnezzar that that tree was a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. And then it says, verse uh, 24, again, Daniel speaking. He says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which uh, has come upon my Lord, the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of the heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. And gives it to whomever he chooses. And as much as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you have come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there shall be a lengthening of your prosperity. Then it says, verse 28, "...all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar." And At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, "...is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my, by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty?" While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven: "King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken: the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and it, and gives it to whomever He chooses." That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen, his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's' feathers, and his nails his fingernails like birds' claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now notice it's it's Nebuchadnezzar speaking again. The chapter began with Nebuchadnezzar speaking, then Daniel speaks, then there's an account of what happens, and then here in verse 34, Nebuchadnezzar writes again, he says, And at this time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed does nothing he does according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and the, for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven. All of uh, whose works are truth, and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. I've titled the uh, the message today, Heaven Rules. Now, at f- kind of at first glance, this chapter seems kind of harsh and a little confusing. All of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's on the palace, he looks out, uh, he sees the the really his empire, and then all of a sudden he loses his mind, he goes out into the wilderness, uh, he eats grass, and uh, he lets his nails grow super long. Um, but what's happening is God is attempting to get the attention and the heart of King Nebuchadnezzar, um, because nothing has worked so far in order to really grab hold of Nebuchadnezzar's Heart. And I think it's important for us to realize that God will do whatever He can to secure your heart. But there are sort of distinctions we have to make in what's going on for King Nebuchadnezzar and then ultimately his coming back. The first thing I want us to know is that Nebuchadnezzar was impressed but not changed. Impressed but not changed. Nebuchadnezzar has had close encounters with God. In fact, uh, he calls God. God, the most high God in chapter three. Um, He calls him the holy God here in chapter four. Back in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar calls him the God of gods. But none of that has caused him to follow God. Not uh, the interpretation in chapter two, not the people being thrown into the fiery furnace and not being burned in chapter three. And then again, even with the interpretation of the dream in chapter four in the beginning, it doesn't cause him to change his heart towards God. None of that has caused him to follow God. He's impressed by God. He's got all these names for God, but none of it has caused surrender in his life. And I think we see this all the time. People are impressed by God, but not changed by God. They're around him, but not with him. And I think it's important for us to recognize that God can only do so much in your life from a distance. God's desire ultimately is to get close to you. And God will do things to get your attention. But without surrender, it will keep us from real change and real purpose. The things that God does is designed to draw us near him. And sometimes God will do radical things around our life and in our life to get our attention because he sees that we're doing things really or we're not doing things for God. We're not in relationship with him. I've seen so many times where people will go through, whether it's difficulty or whether it's confusion or unanswered questions, really to get their eyes and their hearts off of themselves and onto God. And that's what God's doing here for Nebuchadnezzar. He's tried the interpretation of dream. He's tried the fiery furnace. He's tried all of these things to get Nebuchadnezzar's heart, and yet none of it's worked. And so finally, here it is, God really in a Hail Mary effort trying to get the heart and attention of Nebuchadnezzar because God doesn't want to see anybody lost lost Or without him, and I think it's important for us to not miss what God is doing around us because we're just impressed by God. Like, oh man, we we think God's cool, or we're interested in Him, or sometimes He makes me feel a certain way, and so I'll show up to church, or I'll do this thing, or I'll pray every once in a while, and we're impressed by God, but we're not changed by God. And God wants us to allow Him to get to us so He can work in us. Nebuchadnezzar, he experienced so much but wouldn't allow God in. But, so we, we don't want to be close to a work of God. We want to be a part of a work of God. And that's the key here for Nebuchadnezzar. He was impressed, but he wasn't changed. The second thing I want us to see is that Nebuchadnezzar had everything, but he had nothing. Everything. But nothing. In a moment, in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar goes from having everything to losing uh, to losing everything, including his mind. That's what it says in verse thirty. That the king spoke, saying, "Is this not great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty?" At this time, part of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was uh, what was known as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And at the time, and still referred to today, is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, And it was beautiful. Literally, when people saw it, they, they would stand and wonder, like, what is this? This is incredible. How could man accomplish such an amazing thing? And Nebuchadnezzar was responsible for building the hanging gardens of Babylon. And so for people to see it would have been, it would have been Mind blowing. And here Nebuchadnezzar walks out onto his balcony or onto his porch or whatever and is looking out at all of his empire, all that he's done, including these hanging gardens of Babylon. And he's just in awe, really, in what he's done. And to give him credit, Nebuchadnezzar has done a lot. I mean, he was the superpower of the day, he was the reigning champ, he was the Toronto Raptors or whatever it was. He was at the top. And then, uh, At this moment, he lost it all. And I think this is a vivid illustration of the fact that if you have everything, but you don't have God, you really have nothing. One, because nothing lasts forever. We see that. Even our best days, or even the, the coolest things that we have, just wait a few months and something new comes out. The new iPhone was just launched, and it's all cool because it's got the three cameras or whatever looks like an alien. Um, but at the same time, like it's like new, and all of a sudden our iPhone isn't cool enough or our computer or our uh, Xbox or whatever it is. It's cool for a moment, and then quickly it gets outdated. Nothing lasts. And then also, secondly, uh, is because having everything doesn't satisfy. We always want more. It's never enough. It's never enough to say, like, I have all of this and now I'm happy. I'm content. The reality is that um, you might have everything, but at the same time, if you don't have God, it doesn't matter Daniel, on the other hand, he could be content as a palace prisoner and captive in a strange land because he had one thing that mattered. He had relationship with God. Um, When I was probably 17 years old, I got to go on a surf trip to um, El Salvador, and I was going with a buddy of mine who was a professional surfer and then also um, three other friends. And uh, one of my friends, his name's Miles, he um, was the one that invited me on this trip. And um, so we were leaving out of Miami airport, we were all meeting down there, and we got there in the morning, our flight was at like 10.30 or whatever. And uh, we got there, we were checking in, and whenever you travel to another country, you obviously you need your uh, airplane ticket, but then also you need your passport. And um, so we got to the airport, we had our tickets, we had our surfboards packed, we had everything we needed, we had our passports and we were going to check in, and um, Miles was up, he had his ticket, he had his passport, and he gave them both to the lady at the counter, and she said, I'm sorry, um, unfortunately I can't let you go on this trip. And he's like, wait, why? I've got everything. I've got my ticket. I've got my passport. I've got my surfboards. Like I'm ready to go. And um, the problem was his passport was going to expire within three months um, from that date. And we had a three-month visa to go to El Salvador. Now, we were only going for about six days or whatever. But because of the way it works, if your passport expires within the time of the visa that you have, they won't let you go on the trip. And so Miles... uh, unfortunately had everything he needed, but the one thing that he needed, he needed a valid passport. And so they didn't let him go on the trip. And kind of the big bummer for him is he had packed his surfboards with, uh, one of the other guys going on the trip and the boards went to El Salvador. He had to stay in Florida. And the worst part is that there was good surf in Florida, but his boards were in El Salvador as a whole, um, terrible situation for the guy. Um, but the thing was, is he thought he had everything he needed except for the one thing that really mattered. And I think that's here the same with King Nebuchadnezzar. He had everything. He had the palace. He had all of these things except for one thing, relationship with God. And in a moment he lost it all. One thing was needed and he didn't have it. Final thought and uh, final thing for Nebuchadnezzar is that he was humbled and then obedient. After a period of time, Nebuchadnezzar sort of um, snaps out of it. He just all of a sudden is back in his right mind. He, I kind of imagine like a funny thought like he's eating grass, it all makes sense. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't make sense. Um, he's like, why am I eating grass? And he just stops eating grass and goes back to the palace. Now, the goal in this moment from God was not humiliation, but humility wasn't humiliation. Humility was what was needed. Humili- humiliation is, is to make somebody feel bad in front of a bunch of people for no reason at all. Humility, on the other hand, is to lower yourself and really to, to see the proper so, sort of um, uh, perspective and give the proper praise to the right people. God humbled Nebuchadnezzar so that Nebuchadnezzar would know God— And walk with God, and the way he experienced God was simply by being humble and obedient. And God wants us to be humble so He can work in us and get the glory. There's an amazing verse in First Peter uh, chapter five. I'll read it. I got to turn there real quick. First Peter five, verse five. It says this, that. at the end it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble and we want we don't want God to resist us we want God to grace us we want more grace and he says that comes through being humble lowering ourselves putting ourselves in the proper place and exalting God to where he Belongs. And I think there's two things that will humble us because the goal is humility, not humiliation, it's humility. And there's two things that will humble us. Sometimes, number one, life will humble us. And that's really what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. All of a sudden, his life fell apart. He had no choice but to humble himself. He's outside the palace, not as the king. He's eating grass. His fingernails are super long. He looks, it says, like a bird. Um, He's got eagle's feathers and bird's claws. He's all crazy and he's eating grass. And life humbled him. And sometimes life will humble us, where all of a sudden we'll come to the end of ourself, where we realize, I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything together. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't provide all of my needs. And life will humble us. And sometimes, and a lot of times, when life humbles us, it causes us to look to God. Because when we don't have the answers, we look to God for the answers, and he always has answer. So sometimes life will humble us, but I think better than that than waiting to get to the end of ourself to be humble. Sometimes good friends can humble us. Um, I love verse 21, excuse me, verse 27 um, when Daniel, after he gives the interpretation to King Nebuchadnezzar, before it all unfolds, he says this, Therefore, O King, let my advice be acceptable to you. So he he gives the interpretation. He turns to the king. He's like, Hey, because of all this, let me give you like a little bit of advice. I know I'm a nobody. I know I'm just this Hebrew kid that's that's here because I'm I'm a slave. I, I know it's not like I don't seem like I have all the answers. But hey, let me give you some advice. He says, Break off your sins by being righteous. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. He says, Perhaps there may be lengthening of your prosperity. Basically, he says, King, humble yourself. He says, break off your iniquities. He says, break off your sins by simply being righteous. Do what God wants you to do. Show love to other people. Be humble. And he said, maybe all of this won't happen to you. Now, unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't listen to the advice of his friend or, or in this case, Daniel. But how important is it for us to have good friends around us that could come along and say like, dude, you're blowing it. Why are you acting like this? You're, you're full of this you think you have it all together but if you humble yourself god will begin to work in your life and we need daniel's in our life to tell us when we're being stupid tell us hey you need to you need to snap out of this and be the person that god wants you to be and we need to have those people in our life and we need to be those people to to our friends in our life the whole point of this chapter is to show like uh like daniel said is that heaven rules. God is in control, and God wants us to know him, and sometimes he'll do radical things to get our attention, but he doesn't want us to just be impressed with his power. He doesn't want us to just be like, wow, God's so cool and has all this. He wants us to experience that power firsthand. He wants us to be changed. He doesn't want us to have everything but the one thing that we actually need. Don't don't go through life thinking that you got it all together, but miss the key ingredient, which is relationship with Jesus. And it's Simple. All we have to do is humble ourselves and obey what God has said. And what we need to obey is the promise that God has said that if we simply believe in Jesus Christ, our sins would be forgiven and we would have a right relationship with God. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what your life looks like. Maybe you are at the place where you have just been humbled by life. All of a sudden, everything's just been taken from you. You're at the end of yourself. Listen, God can restore those things by simply believing in him and trusting in him. Or maybe you're at the point where you haven't been humbled by life. Can I be that good friend to you and say, humble yourself, turn your attention to God, turn your eyes to God. Don't just be impressed by God. Don't just be around God, but be with God. Know him personally and allow him to change your life so that you can experience the fullness of the life that God has for you. Hey, again, thanks so much for listening. This has been the Factory Podcast. I just pray that God speaks to you and that you would join us Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. That's usually when these messages are recorded. Um, So it's live there at the factory. Today we've got the special sort of message coming to you from the studio. um, But we pray that God's been... Uh, speaking to you. We also want to let you know follow us on Instagram at The Factory Youth. Um, you can keep up to date with all that we've got going on here and uh, ways you can get involved, and then also ways that you can be around other young people um, to encourage you and walk with Jesus. So, God bless you. We'll see you Thursday.